0: Well, I don't want to make any assumptions this morning about what you may or may not know already about the meaning of Easter. Uh, This weekend is special for Christians all around the world because we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The name Easter is not found in the Bible. And if you knew that, Uh, it's not even a Christian term. It has actually deep roots in in ancient pagan religions and festivals um, somewhere along the line, though, that Christians co-opted or took on the term Easter, and so it's been attached to this weekend of our celebration. So for us, Easter means the remembrance of the suffering and resurrection of Jesus. It's also a special weekend for Jews because this is Passover weekend, the feast to remind them um, that God spared their lives and delivered them from slavery in Egypt many thousands of years ago. So it's a big weekend around the world. Easter really has nothing, though, to do with rabbits and eggs or even chocolate and lilies. Uh, as much as beautiful as the lilies are, um, rabbits and eggs are lingering reminders of the highly unchristian pagan fertility festivals um, of, of ancient times. And personally, I don't really have a problem with children's Easter egg hunts and chocolate bunnies, especially the chocolate part. I think that's always that always works might be a good time to show you my favorite Easter uh, comic um, little cartoon. I pull that out every year and I I still find it funny. I just love that. So there you go. But Christians really could call this uh, Resurrection Sunday, perhaps, uh, because we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So he was crucified on Friday. He was placed in a tomb and God raised him from dead. On the first day of the week, Sunday. So on Good Friday, we remembered the death of our Lord. And today we celebrate that he rose from the grave. Crystal already read to us from Luke 24, 1 through 12. But I'm just going to reread verses 1 through 8. And typically I have you follow along in your Bible, which if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Luke 24, but just for simplicity, I'm going to just read it on the screen. And I know we've got two languages There's Some right now you're wondering, why is there Chinese on the screen? And our second service today will have Chinese translation. So I let's um, for you to, to see what's coming out in the second service. Um, I'm just going to read verses one through eight. It says, very early on Sunday morning. The women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And the man asked, why are you looking for among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered that he had said this. If I make a promise to you, what's the best way to show that I can be trusted? Keep the promise, right? Uh, what's, what's the line every parent just Just kills us to hear when when our child says, "But Dad, you promised." Anybody ever been guilty of hearing that? I did no such thing, son. If you said maybe we'll go to the zoo someday, they heard we're going to the zoo tomorrow. (laughs) But Dad, you promised. Just tears our heart out when we when we hear that. Uh, Jesus made promises. One promises that he would be handed over to the authorities, he would be killed and he would rise again. So how do we know that Jesus can be trusted? Well, he kept his promise by rising from the grave. We know Jesus can be trusted because he kept his promise. You might be wondering today, whether you've been a follower of Jesus or not, you might be wondering today, is this all true? Is Jesus reliable? Is he even real? And I would say this, the resurrection, if you're following in your little outline in your, from your bulletin today, this is your first point there, the resurrection confirms that Jesus can be trusted. The resurrection confirms that Jesus can be trusted. Some people like to think of Jesus as a good teacher. Or maybe a prophet. Uh, but they don't want to accept that Jesus is the son of God. Yet the resurrection really does make Jesus way more than a a prophet or a teacher. Um, About 60 years ago, there was an author, you might know him for having penned uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples Lewis. He famously pointed out that Jesus can't simply be a good prophet and a teacher because he claimed to be the Son of God and the Messiah. So, A good teacher, by by definition of being a good teacher, means you would be someone who would tell the truth and not make outrageous claims about yourself. So here's the problem. Jesus either is who he claimed to be, which would make him Savior and Lord, the Son of God, or he's, you know, a big fat liar, right? And therefore not the Savior, Or there's a third option, as Lewis said, insane. Lewis put it this way. He said, uh, a man on the level of a poached egg. So it's called the Lord liar lunatic argument. Jesus either is the Lord or he's a liar or he's a lunatic. It's up to us to decide which he is. But just to say, well, he's a good teacher. He was, you know, he's a good man to follow. That's insufficient. That's not good enough. Some would say that Jesus' followers fabricated the resurrection story. But the resurrection story caught even his closest followers by surprise. The women did not expect an empty tomb. Right? We, we just read. They went to the tomb with spices to anoint the body. The disciples didn't expect it. The women came back reporting that what they'd experienced and they didn't believe them. Even if the followers of Jesus had wanted to create some new religion or or even falsely claim that they'd found the Jewish Messiah, they would never have made up such a hard-to-believe story. You see, the resurrection would be impossible to believe if it were not true. I mean, if it weren't true, you, you would just come up with something else, more believable. So the resurrection confirms that Jesus can be trusted to be who he said he is, and to do what he said he'd do. Now you may be thinking, yeah, Brian, you're just taking all that from the Bible. The Bible is just a made-up book. Uh, you know what? There are some some really uh, solid um, people you can read just to help you understand sort of the history, you know, the true history of these things. I'd recommend a book like uh, *The Case for Christ*, which is a really good book. Another one would be called more than a carpenter, and even this little one that I'm recommending deals with some of that. Well, then you might be wondering, well, is Jesus, you know, um, you know, reliable and true? Um, yes, he can be trusted. So today, however, we're not really so surprised, especially if you've been in the church. You're not really surprised by the resurrection story because, what, you've heard it time and time and time again. So it's hard for us to really catch the element of surprise. But I think if you and I had been there, we would have been terrified. We really would have been. I mean, you just imagine even today, if you were to go to the cemetery uh, to visit your loved one's grave, maybe grandma or, or a, a you know, sibling or parent, and just imagine you go to the grave and you you walk through, you're on the grass and you see all the headstones and you're kind of making your way and your heart's a little heavy and you're remembering, you're having some fond memories and some sadness and you, you get to the spot and it's just an open hole. Your first thought would not be, oh, grandma's raised from the dead. That would not be your first thought. Right? I mean, would not your, wouldn't you be frightened? Wouldn't your heart just drop in fear and panic and hopelessness and dread? Right? You're, you, you would not be thinking, oh, wow, Grandma's back. Well, that was the disciples' reaction. They were terrified. Americans, we, we have a fascination with fear. Right. Scary movies are always really popular and I'm not quite sure why it could be that we love the adrenaline rush that that fear gives you. And I'm not going to ask for volunteers, but I know some of you just love this stuff. Um, my my sons, who are really men now, still love to hide around the corner when I walk into the room. <laughs> you know, when they were little, this is this is what I got when they when I was when they were little. Right. You walk in the door, Daddy, and they jump to you. Now you walk in the door, it's like, Wah! I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I think it's a sign of love, but, um, but they love my fear reaction. They just, they just love getting that that eighteen inches off the ground. Um, even TV and and radio newscasts, right, are just driven by fear because fear keeps our attention. We somehow. Like being a little bit scared. This was, there was this common experience of fear among Jesus' followers after the crucifixion. Verse 5 says the women were terrified. Right. Verse 12 goes on to say Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb. And it says he was wondering what had happened. They were confused by that. Verse 37 later in the chapter says they were startled and frightened. In fact, I'm going to read to you verses 32. if you've got your Bible open, I invite you to follow along. At verse 32, we're going to pick it up there in Luke chapter 24, verse 32. Luke has, has just told the stories of, of two of Jesus' followers, not, maybe not the two of the twelve, but two of his followers who, who uh, had unknowingly, unknowingly met Jesus. On the road. They were on, a, they were on a walking road to a town. The town was called Emmaus. And as they're walking along, they unknowingly met Jesus and they talked with the resurrected Jesus, kind of expressing their disappointment and discouragement over what had happened. And Jesus explained who he was. And then finally, Jesus allowed them to recognize him. They did not recognize him at first. And then he immediately disappeared. And so we're going to pick up that story in verse 32. These two said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They were there. They uh, it's about a two hour walk between these two towns. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them. And they said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Verse 35, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Verse 37, but the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost, including the ones that had just seen him. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. So what is Jesus really doing here for them? Jesus is giving them some confidence, some assurance. That not only is he alive and he can be trusted, But because of him, there's nothing to fear. There's no reason to be afraid. And if you're wondering if the resurrection matters today. Here's a good reason. The resurrection confirms that Jesus delivers you from fear. The resurrection confirms that Jesus delivers you from fear. The disciples were afraid. The women were afraid. Right. But it was by putting their trust in the risen living Savior, that they were set free of fear, even though there was no change in their circumstances, that that the threat of the authorities hunting them down and exterminating them as well. That didn't go away. There was there was no change in the circumstances, but they experienced peace in this moment. I don't think fear is something we like to really admit. No one likes to say, oh, I'm afraid. I don't know if as a a child were ever teased a little bit, maybe for maybe you were even bullied Right, for being afraid of, of something, you're afraid of the dark, or you were afraid to go down that the big slide, right? Maybe you were afraid to go off the, the high dive for the diving the big diving board and you look down and, and they said, Oh, you're scared and what do you say, I'm not scared. I just don't want to do it right now. <laughs> right? We all have fears. Fear of the unknown. Fear of failure. Fear of being found out. Fear of the future. Of death. Of suffering. Of loss. You might not call it fear. Or maybe you choose to ignore your fears. But we all have them. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Trust me instead. Jesus made amazing promises. And he rose from the dead. So he's worth considering. Jesus promised Come to me and I'll give you rest. He said, he who believes in me will live and not die. He said, I will be with you occasionally. No, I will be with you always. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father. That's God. No one comes to the father, but through me. Jesus said, "I came to give you life in abundance." He said, "I give you my peace." Chances are you've experienced some good things in your life, whether or not you're a follower of Jesus. And so you've your life's been okay, and you just think, "Well, I don't really need religion. I'm not really interested in being religious, and I would say me neither." I am not interested in Religion or being a religious person. And you know what? Jesus wasn't after religion either. If Jesus was about religion, the best thing he could have done was stay in the grave. Stay dead. Stay on the cross. Something like that. Anything but rise again. Because by rising from the grave, we have to admit that he's alive and he's active. The tomb... And the cross are empty. There's no image of Jesus hanging on that cross here. Because Jesus is alive. It's very intentional. The same Jesus who promised to rise again also promised to come back. He's going to return one day. As the Bible says, to judge the living and the dead. You and I... We'll have to answer for our lives. But if I'm found to be righteous, the Bible says I won't be judged. I'll be able to eternally, eternally enjoy the incredible riches and creativity of God. So how can I do that? How can I be righteous? How can I how can I experience that instead of judgment? Well, think of it this way. If you break the law, let's say you drive too fast or or you you break the neighbor's window with your errant baseball. Two things happen. One, what's the first thing you, that that happens? You feel like hiding, right? You want to run away. Just the other day, I was gassing up the corner, and um, there was a car very much like my wife's, actually. Turns out it wasn't her, <laughs> thankfully, uh, tore through the intersection probably 80 miles an hour, just on Ashland Avenue, 90 miles an hour. And sure enough, three squad cars, hot pursuit. I'm like, that person's only making matters, whatever they did, it just got a whole lot worse, right? So the first thing we always want to do is we want to hide, we want to run away, we want to get away from it. And then the second thing is you can expect to be punished. If you if you broke the law, you can expect to be punished. But the death and the resurrection of Jesus deals with both of those Problems in his death, Jesus was punished for your sin. He suffered in your place, took what you deserved upon himself. The Romans says that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So that's what Jesus did in his death. And in his resurrection, he takes away the fear of judgment. See, rising from the grave paid I mean, prove that the, the price was paid in full for your sin. Um, how can I explain this? Um, let's say that that uh, you and I meet outside of uh, Powell's Candy Shop there at at um, Sierra Vista Mall. And you tell me, hey, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get some of your favorite candy bars. And, and I'm, I'm going to pay for them for you. Like, oh, perfect. Right? Now let's say they go in. In fact... Okay, let's, let's go a little further. Let's say I, I, let's say I picked, I mean, I, 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 what do you call it? I've shoplifted a couple of my favorite candy bars. Let's, let's go that far. Okay, let's say I've got a couple of my favorite candy bars. And my friend says, no worries, I'm going to go and pay for it. And they go inside. Now, how do I know that they've been paid for? Just simply that the person went in? Or they came back out? My friend comes back out and says, you're forgiven, it's all paid for. That's what the rising from the grave does of Jesus. Jesus goes to the grave, but he comes back out again. See, it's done. It's paid for. It's all, it's all complete. And so now there's no fear of judgment. Now I don't have to be like, oh man, I'm going to get charged with shoplifting. It's done. It's paid for. Don't worry. I, I don't shoplift. I never have. Intentionally, I never will. Romans 4.25 puts it like this. We've got it on the screen. It says that He, Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins and He was raised to life to make us right with God. He was handed over to die for our sin and He was raised to put us in right standing with God. So the resurrection then confirms your righteousness in Christ. The resurrection confirms your righteousness in Christ. It's done. The deal is complete. And this is the core of the Christian message. That Jesus died for your sin and was raised to life to give you that right standing with God. But it's your choice to either accept or reject that offer. I really appreciated what Christelle said. That as a a child, she sort of, in, in her kind of limited understanding, accepted Jesus you know, in her heart as we sometimes the way we explain it to children. But there was came a point where she recognized I'm really going to receive. I'm really going to take on the grace that God extends to me. Appreciated how you expressed that, Christelle. So Jesus looks to you. He looks at you and he says, will you follow me? So instead of trying to be good enough for your, you, you know, on your own, trying to impress God or trying to impress other people. Can you trust Jesus to forgive you? And whether your life is really good right now or really difficult right now, trust him to give you meaning and purpose and righteousness. Jesus did not die to make you miserable. Jesus did not die to make you religious. Jesus did not die so you could be put in a straitjacket and and live by a bunch of rules. He He came to keep his promises to you to shake you free out of fear, to make you righteous, to give you meaning and hope for the future. And, of course, there's a catch because there always is, right? The catch is that it is up to you to choose whether or not you trust Jesus and follow him. So in my life, I've said it this way. I've said, Jesus, son of God, I trust you to forgive my sin and make me right with father God. I turn from doing life in my own way, and I ask you to lead me as the Lord of my life. In a moment, I'll give you an opportunity to pray something very similar to that. But today is the best day of the Christian calendar. If you are not a regular churchgoer, um, all I can say is you you pick the right day to come to church. You need to know that God loves you deeply. He loves you deeply. Deeply, He knows everything about what's going on in your life and he loves you immensely. And he wants to enrich your life with value and purpose. But he doesn't force his way into your heart. It's up to you to choose him. I want to give you a couple of ways you can respond today. First of all, if you're a follower of Jesus... I'd like to challenge you or remind you to consider this great promise that Jesus makes to give you peace in the place of fear. We're in a place right now where there's plenty of reasons to fear. Our, our dry mountains and our dry valleys create for me, create some fear. Lord, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to our city? Uh, You don't have to watch much on the news. Terrorism. Calamity. Politics. It's all enough to induce a whole lot of fear. And as a follower of Jesus. Can I say Jesus. I'm going to accept your peace in place of fear. Maybe you want to ask it this way. Why does the resurrection of Jesus matter in my life. How does it. How does it matter that Jesus rose from the dead? You might need to say, Jesus, I I bring you my fear and I receive your peace today. So that's one way to respond. The other way to respond is if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, I would be a fool not to give you the opportunity to turn your life over to Jesus today. It's not difficult. Like I said, I can help you all help you with a little prayer like that as we pray in a moment of choosing to trust Jesus and follow him as the Lord and leader of your life. I invite you to stand as we close in prayer. Lord Jesus, um, as we talk about your resurrection year after year and over and over, sometimes it gets really um, kind of remote for us doesn't seem to have the impact it, it maybe could. We, I'm asking, Jesus, that you refresh the impact of your resurrection in our life. Over and over, as you, after you had ra- risen from the dead, you told your followers, be at peace. Don't be afraid. There's so many reasons for us to fear and be afraid today. God asked that you would help us to exchange our, our panic for your peace. We we'll pray that you would help us do that. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us peace, making that available to us. And then as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give you the opportunity. If you're a person here, you've never given your life to Jesus, but today you just say, I, I want to give my life to him. Or maybe maybe you've wandered far away and you're like, I want to come back. I, I want to refresh my commitment. You could just, in your own spot there in your own just quiet way you could pray something like this with me. Just say, Jesus I believe that you're the Son of God. I trust you to forgive my sin and to make me right with God my Father. I turn from doing life in my own way and I ask you to lead me as the Lord of my life. Oh, Amen. And if you prayed something like that today, would you make a point of telling somebody? Don't let that decision slip away into the busyness of the week. But drive a stake in the ground and says, Today's different. I want to follow Jesus. I'm going to experience a new life with him, a new kind of peace. God loves you. That's why He sent Jesus in the first place. That's why you sent Jesus, because He loves you. And He wants you to know Him. Not religion, but a relationship with Him. Amen.